Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Welcome in, everyone, to the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We are super excited for today's episode as we continue our summer guest series. Mac and I both just got back from ACC spring meetings down at Amelia Island in Florida. It's kind of weird that we're having a summer guest series and the ACC is just having spring meetings, but <laughs> I do feel like it's summertime and it felt like summertime on the beach. It, we were so lucky and thankful to be down there and to network and to see some of our ACC network teammates, as well as a lot of different coaches and media people. We had a good time, Mac. We had a great time, KG. It was fun to, like you said, just be around with everybody. I mean, I had so much fun getting to see all these coaches, getting to see all these administrators. And and I just have to tell y'all, it's crazy to see the difference in four years. Like, it sounds like a very common sense thing, but from the first time I went down there back in 2019, go into these rooms, go into these meetings, whatever, and don't know anybody. I mean, I know Coach Dabo Sweeney, and that's about it, and some of our ESPN folks, and, and maybe a couple other coaches that I, I knew just through the you know grapevine or whatever, but it was kind of awkward, and you know, I'm a guy to go up to people and say hello at least, but mm-hmm. it was just a weird vibe, and a complete 180 this year where you know we have folks coming across the room to talk to us, and, and just really cool to just see the trust, the relationship, the bond, between us as as ACC Network's folks grow within this conference and, and to be able to see those people. So it was an invaluable trip. I hope everybody had a lot of fun. I hope everyone uh, you know took full advantage of it and, and just was able to network and, and talk with folks and really just exciting to, to continue to build on the future. And speaking of the future, KG, speaking we, have, of. we have some cool stuff going on that we're so excited to share with you guys. Some people may wa- be watching me say this, guys. We are so excited to say a little mini drum roll there. We're on YouTube. <laughs> Let's go. Check it out. KG and I have really been thinking about this for quite some time. Uh, just wanting to add a video element so you can see her beautiful face, mine, you know, whatever. You have to see it. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, non-straightened. This is this is a natural look right here. This we're, is us. we're not going to get all gussied up like TV, Mac. That's right. First of all, it would take right. an hour for me, and you know, five <laughs> minutes for Max. Well, I took care of that myself. I just chopped it all yeah. off, so I, I'm good. I don't have to waste time with that. But we're really excited, guys. So if you're listening to this, you're not necessarily watching it. Go check us out on YouTube, Gramlich and Mac Lane. Just type that in. You'll see our show. Subscribe. Check us out. We've already had a couple experimental things on there uh, just to kind of get going. KG did a great job with that, but so excited to be here on this new platform uh, and going to be a lot of fun. We also have a little bit bigger Number news. Number two. We also Tell have a little bit bigger thing, news. Matt. Bigger news, KG. No, I'm going I'm to let you do this one because uh, it's, it's such a big deal. So let the people Ooh. know where else they might be hearing us. Yeah, so we have been in discussions for a little bit, but got everything finalized recently. And the Gramlick and McLean podcast will now also air on SiriusXM channel 371 the acc channel we are super pumped well the podcast will release first to apple Podcasts. that's the first place you can get it we will have that same episode on youtube and also that episode will be available on sirius xm and our podcast will also be on their app i think the coolest thing to do is get that sirius xm app so you can listen wherever but of course if you have it in your car even better channel 371 
Still updates to come on when it will air on the exact schedule, but the second we know that, we will let you guys know. And we're so pumped. Just thanks to everyone who's ever listened, who's ever downloaded this podcast, because you've helped us get to this point. And of course, we still have a long way to go, but we're very excited about this partnership with SiriusXM. To the freaking moon, KG. It's, it's really Let's cool. Go. You know, we, we talk about the relationships and the things that have happened in four years on the ACC side. This has been a fun journey for the podcast and, and just to continue to see it grow and develop and change. And, and who would have thought a couple of years ago when we're in the middle of COVID, uh, we decided to do a podcast that this thing would be on SiriusXM. So serious, folks, if you're listening to us, welcome to the Gramlich and Mac Lane family. We have a ton of fun. This thing is, uh, we're, we're just getting started. And a guy that's going to help us get started today, who was actually our first guest ever on the podcast, now will be our first guest ever on these new platforms, my man, Mike Golick Jr. Mike is doing some amazing things right now. Sadly, and I mentioned this a little bit, he sadly left us at ESPN, but he has started a daily podcast, Gojo with DraftKings. You guys have to check that out. It's been a lot of fun to see him grow and develop. His new podcast is really just a couple of college friends getting together and talking sports. What an amazing idea, Mac. Uh, I wonder if he maybe got that idea from us. Just kidding. He did not. Mike is joined by his best friend and college teammate at Notre Dame, Brandon Newman. The former Golden Domers discuss sports, pop culture, and quote, whatever else you can think of. We get into that a little bit with Gojo as to what the Gojo podcast is really going to be. Super excited for Mike. This conversation was a lot of fun but even more excited for you guys to be able to listen to it. Let's freaking go, KG. Guys, in a world of firsts, it's hard to have something for the first time twice. But that's exactly what's happening here today. Mike Golick Jr., I'm not sure if you remember this, but you were our first ever guest on the podcast. Now, you are going to be our first ever guest on YouTube on the podcast. Gojo, what the heck is up, man? Let's go. Wow. How do I keep looking into this? You know what? I am going to I'm going to give this to the kindness of you guys. Just, you know, whatever scheduling mishaps have led me to be the first in both these instances. Honored. Happy to be here. Thank you guys so much. It's that offensive line bond, man. It's just we, we talked about it. You were like six minutes early. I'm late. I'm running in from the airport. It's just we got it going on. Exactly. We can't help it. It is. I always said the neurotic nature of being an offensive lineman where we are all on that Tom Coughlin five minutes early or else you're late time. (laughs) So it has been beaten into us for too long. And thus we are here. You're right. It's funny you bring that up. And we're obviously going to talk about so many things here, but we were just at ACC spring meetings. And I feel like this is something that every athlete knows. They understand. It was me, Mac and Dabo sharing stories of the the time where we were the most late to a workout in college and what our punishment was. We talked about that for about 20 minutes. Do you have a story about that, Gojo? Were you ever super late or did you never miss? I have one thing. Mac had one thing. Dabo had one thing. It's like it happens to you once and you're done. So do you have a story like that? I don't have one that I remember off the top of my head, but I know it happened for a fact (laughs) because I still and I'm sure like you guys, I have the dream still. Oh, oh, yeah. I, oh I hold yes. every former athlete has the dream where they are either late to a meeting, coming back usually from some sort of like whatever minimal vacation time we had away yeah. from sports, or you are late to like a game and yes. I always forget my helmet or pads in the dream. So <laughs> mine's, mine's my shoes. I can never find my shoes. 
It's the craziest thing. Like, where are my cleats? Why are they not in the locker? Like, where are they? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's always incredible just how these pivotal <laughs> items are the exact thing. Like, hey, Mike, go in. We're playing USC. Oh, shoot, coach. I don't have shoulder pads or a helmet at this football game that I am playing at the Division One level. So that's how I know I was late at least once enough for it to be stuck in my psyche forever and manifest subconsciously. Mm, I like it. Well, it made me feel better that Davo did have a story where he was late and he missed something when he was a freshman. So it always happens when you're a freshman, right? So it did make me feel better because Davo went on and all of us went on to turn out fine. So it was good to hear. But let's just say, I'm not going to say any more, Mac. I had the I had the worst punishment. I'll, no, there, I'll there's, uh, there's no question. She had to run a lot. And when she told us this, Mike, I'm like, listen, there's I would have quit. I would have quit the team because I wouldn't have been able to to do the Ugh. thing. But let, let's get into you, my friend. And I, because, let's be clear, Mac. Yeah. You sounded like I like, you know, committed a crime. I was late to one academic meeting. That was well, the, so anyway, it could have been it could have been the uh, same as murder. I mean, that was the same Basically. kind of punishment. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. But Mike, let's jump into it, man. You have awesome news. You 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 left us. I'm so sad, but I'm super excited for you. Uh, you're going with DraftKings. You have your own freaking podcast. Every day you guys are pumping out content. Just how's it been? Let's just jump straight into it, man. How has that been since you've uh, you've been announced and you've been doing your own thing? It's been awesome, man. And I do miss being teammates with you guys, being teammates with so many of the great people that I got to know at ESPN and, and everything under that umbrella. It, it really is such a great environment to come up and get the reps to learn everything that we need to in this. It's just like sports where you only get better by doing things over and over and over again in this. And so I, I'm thankful for all that time because it got me to the spot where I even felt comfortable making a move like this. But it, it's been awesome, man. Uh, Gojo is the podcast, by the way. Shameless plug. You can download, subscribe, rate, and review that wherever you get your podcasts. But, Come on. Uh, I've learned. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to be like you guys and get into this podcast business. So it, it's been fun, though. And, and I've been fortunate like you guys who, who know each other so well and, and get to do this together. I get to do the podcast with one of my former teammates from Notre Dame. He's my producer. He's the other voice you hear on air on this podcast. And I think having that trust and comfort level with someone has made it really fun to attack each day and get back to doing this. I had 11 weeks where I got to sit by and watch all these headlines go past and I'm tweeting up a storm, but there's nothing quite like having a, the ability to go out every day and share that with people. So it's been a ton of fun. So I listened, I've listened to a few so far, uh, not just in prep for this, but obviously, you know, wanted to see what was up and going to keep listening. But I thought it was cool. I think it was your first episode. It may have been that trailer that you guys put out where you said, you know, this is going to be the intersection of, of sports and pop culture. That's what everyone says their podcast is going to be. But you also said, I'm really not sure what it's going to be. And so do you feel like with DraftKings and this new venture, has it been communicated to you that you kind of have free reign, like you can make this into whatever it becomes? Yeah, that's really been incredible from their end and dealing with them as a partner is they said, we don't need you to be a gambling show specifically. We don't need you to tailor your content to any one thing. We believe in how you see this creatively. And so it's a unique opportunity to kind of make it what we want. We've got a very large sandbox to play in. And that's kind of why I said that, because I don't want to make promises I can't keep. That's not something that I've ever felt comfortable with. Sure. But at the same time, I also don't want to limit what we might be able to do. And right now, 
We are learning the fundamentals. I am learning my pass sets. I am getting my hands in the right place in the chest plate of the defender. And I am going to make sure that we work up to all of that high level, you know, football podcasting 400 level stuff. But that prospect <laughs> is pretty exciting. That, that's so fun, man. <laughs> Without like getting sued, arrested, whatever that is. How did this come about? Like, is this something that you've been thinking for a while? You're, you're excited to branch out? Like, I, I know when you, you know, you kind of do something, not that you were there 30 plus years or whatever, but when you do something for a while, you know, you, you want to move on and you want to expand. How best that you can tell us, you know, did, did this happen? Yeah, no, I, there's really like, there's no state secrets here. There's nothing crazy that happened. Like you said, I, I was so fortunate. I mean, listen, I was a, a failed attempt at pro football where I got cut a lot very early and it was made abundantly clear, hey, me and football might not be on the same terms anymore. And so six and a half years at ESPN felt like a long time. And it felt even longer because I had watched my dad at ESPN my entire life. This had been the only thing that I had ever known. I didn't remember my dad as a football player. I remember knowing my dad as a broadcaster, as a radio host. And the bulk of that time was at ESPN. So it, it did feel wild, even considering leaving at the point that I did right now. But it was a couple of things that happened all at once. Like I said, a really unique opportunity with DraftKings. My dad is doing stuff with DraftKings. The Levitard show guys seeing the support that they'd gotten and the fun that they'd been having over there. And then just for me personally, the ability to maybe have a little bit more flexibility outside of work, not having to be inside the building in Bristol every day. I am a single 32-year-old who would like to at one point. Shout out. Hey, everybody maybe. listening, I'll give you a cell phone number. Just hit me up in the DMs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Slide into Emacs DMs, his work just as well as mine on this. But to that point, you know, at some point, trying to carve out maybe a little bit more work-life balance than I had had there and find my way to making that a priority in my life, all those things kind of came together and were possible with this opportunity. So I am... Nothing but thankful for my time at ESPN, for the people that took a chance on me before I really had any, any idea what I was doing and allowed me to make enough mistakes to get to the point now where I feel like I can step out and do this. Shout out to you for bringing up the work-life balance because, you know, we've all had those discussions and, and that struggle. I think as millennials, we're almost programmed to we need to work all the time because we were called lazy for so long. Um, yeah. And so just being able to to prioritize that. I think that's awesome, Gojo. And before we get into, we want to talk Portal, we want to talk NIL, uh, Jordan Addison specifically from the ACC, what's going on there. I thought of this right before we jumped on. I'm going to put you on the spot. This is like one of those questions where someone says, okay, if you could have dinner with three people living or dead, who are they? Let's go with the living people. Your three uh, podcast guests that you would like to have on that you haven't had before. I mean, shoot for the stars here. Who's your top three? And of course, Emac and I are up there, but you can leave us <laughs> we, off We this understand. List you don't for, have to tell exercise. us. We know we're one and two, so you can mention other people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, present company excluded <laughs> in this, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I, I, I've had two on the vision board, and one just came to me when Ooh. you mentioned the dinner thing, because this one was always in my thought process for that. But podcast guest-wise, um, Jason Sudeikis is up near the top of that. I just, you know, everyone's loved Ted Lasso. But in general, what it sounds like his reputation is at Hollywood of being a fundamentally decent human being, of being a part of what has become a cultural phenomenon in that show, I think he'd be really interesting to talk to. Yeah. Uh, T-Pain. T-Pain. I'm a child of the early 2000s. And yes. watching T-Pain kind of have this career renaissance, I always point back to during the pandemic 
when we were all stuck inside our houses doing the quarantine situation and they had those versus battles on Instagram, <laughs> it was T-Pain and it was Lil John's versus battle. That was one of the nights that I have like a core quarantine memory of that was just so much fun. It brought back all these memories. And now he's got Nappy Boy Radio that he does on his Twitch stream. He's got his own podcast and he, he just seems like such a bubbly, fun, wonderful person that I would love to pick his brain because he was also part of a very interesting, you know, auto-tune yeah. uh, revolution yeah. in music. And then the last one for me would be Jon Stewart, who also has kind of had a career renaissance as of late. You know, what's wrong? What's the problem with Jon Stewart, I believe is the name of the Apple Plus show and his podcast. But Jon Stewart, for me, The Daily Show, during my, you know, period of being a young person when I was in elementary and middle school, that was one of those things that had started to become appointment viewing. And for me, I always go back to uh, 9-11. I was in the seventh grade and I have such a vivid memory of Jon Stewart coming on. I think it was the day or so after 9-11. And the monologue that he gave from there was such a focal point in a time where you know I was young. I didn't fully understand what had happened. And so while he was satire that bordered on actual news and there's a lot of blurred lines and how that goes, he was a voice of comfort and a source of hope in a time that didn't have a whole lot of yeah. it. And so I've always been fascinated. He's been such an interesting person. You know, the, the work he's done since then with, you know, the first responders in 9-11 and trying to make sure that their safety and healthcare is secured going forward. I think he'd be a fascinating person to talk to. What a list. Jason Sudeikis, T-Pain, John Stewart. I like that. Okay, I have to ask though, best T-Pain song. What is it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know what? I would probably go Bartender's just kind of like fun Ooh. and interesting, man. Like buy you a drink and bartender are obviously yeah. both in there, but I, I don't know. There's something about <laughs> like just a song about a guy who has got a crush on the bartender. <laughs> And just walking that situation out to me would probably that's, be that's one. a fantastic pick. It's a Excellent fantastic choice. pick. I mean, that that was such a like you said, a moment in our lives where I think I was in like fourth grade. I'm singing that song at the top of my lungs. I don't even know what I'm singing about, yeah. but I know every word. Right. I, I have no clue, but why not? <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, if you you are well, I'm a little younger than than you, Gojo, but if you, I was not able to buy the classic T-Pain hit, I'm in love with a stripper, but I could get, I could get the parental controlled version, I'm in love with a dancer, ah. which, you know, also slapped just as hard for a sixth grader who did not know what was going on, but my brother and I love that song. Is that weird? It's, it's weird. weird. It just, Mac, no, let, listen, T-Pain was just NIL. a huge fan of the, he was just a huge fan of the ballet. That's fine. Exactly, He's in love with the dancer. Exactly. Let, let's do it though. Let, let's talk about football. That's why you're here. I, I love, all right, we got the pop culture in. So we, we checked the box for, for there you your go. pod. That's, that's what so we now do. We're, we're merging it in, man. This is a, uh, this is a time. I mean, what we're doing it, right now, I mean, I just graduated in 15, and this is a completely different landscape. I mean, it, it's funny. I think I was hired by ESPN and the network to kind of talk about, well, you know, what are they doing nowadays? And I'm already outdated. I'm like the old model. We need guys that are in right now, uh, you know, to talk about this because specifically looking at the transfer portal and NIL, it's been the talking point for for a year, and it's really heated up, I feel like, these last couple of weeks, maybe the last month. So let's just start with your general opinion on the transfer portal, on NIL, and then I'm sure there's a lot of things that we'll dive in about each of those. Yeah, you know what? And I think anecdotally, this was something that was interesting to me of 
what we feel like is happening right now, where everyone throws out the terms wild, wild west, and we hear a lot of people, coaches, athletic directors saying this is broken and needs fixing here. And it feels like a problem that is everywhere right now. I had a chance last week. I was in New York. Notre Dame was doing a sports summit for a bunch of their, you know, high level donors and people out there, alumni in the area. And they had a panel of current players talking. And you can imagine a lot of those guys got asked questions about all this. And it was funny because we think it's this everyone problem and it's so pervasive right now. Most of the questions about NIL ended up getting asked to Isaiah Foskey, who is a very highly touted pass rusher, a guy who's going to be high on draft boards next year. And all the rest of the guys are like, yeah, you know, we have some of that stuff pop up, but there's only one guy on the stage who's actually dealing with a lot of this. And so it's to me was a good reminder of, all right, a lot of this is still at this point in the place where we picked it up, but we know we're getting to the point now where it's mimicking pay for play. NIL is starting to be tied to, you know, what a lot of people look at as recruiting enticements. There's all these cries about it from the NCAA. So my general thought process on all of this is good. We were due for an adjustment. We had a system that was dated that required sacrifice from the people who were giving the most to the process. I should say the most sacrifice from the people who were giving the most in the process. And the rest of it had just gotten too big around them to ignore. And so we all know the NCAA had a chance to get out in front of this and didn't. And so I look at it and say, now it is on the adults in the room, the older adults, because we've got young adults in the center of this that are now getting this influx of cash. It's on those adults to figure out how to best make sure, first and foremost, the safety of the athletes are at the center of this, that you don't have guys being taken advantage of by a new group of people that are going to work as intermediaries in a lot of parts of this process, and then to figure out how to structure and organize it a little bit better for themselves. So my general thought process is good. We were due for enough. I I totally agree with that. And and I think when you look at it, KG, it's there's a right way to do it. Now, I think there needs to be restrictions. There has to be this and that. And and the free market, everybody loves to throw that around. But even in free market, there are certain rules. But I, I think exactly what you just said is we think it is this massive big problem that affects everybody it is a very small percentage and and before all this happened i went on 100 different shows and said this is only going to affect about 10 people per team maybe and so when you talk about the grand scheme of things and that's starting to really you know connect the biggest thing that i have an issue with right now when you look at this is the fact that we're getting these young kids involved that are still in high school i think that should be 1000% eliminated. I mean, these are minors. There's all these, all these different things that come into play that I, we need to separate it, in my opinion. And I think it needs to be a thing when you get on campus, free reign, do whatever you want, you know, figure it out, go get NIL. But there, it's such a weird thing when I'm hearing a five star recruit is going to Tennessee. I've heard that a lot. And they're getting paid $4 million. Like, <laughs> what? He's never played a snap. I don't know if you've had any teammates, Mike, but. I've had a couple that were five-star, four-star, big-time names that, guess what? They never started at Clemson. And so, like, that's what I get really worried about. You add on that additional pressure, what's that going to be like for the kids? Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. And again, I think what you hit on at the beginning there has always been my chief concern, which is if you're putting contracts with more money than some of these kids have ever seen in front of them, and they're being asked to sign with things in there that I'll call predatory, predatory, like 
signing away their NIL rights over a long period of time with non-compete clauses in there and the things that would prevent them should they want to exercise their other new right in the transfer portal and say, hey, this situation is not what I was sold while I was being recruited. I believe that I have a better opportunity elsewhere. Now, all of a sudden, if you've got some collective at their old school holding their NIL rights, because these kids didn't have somebody, these young adults, I should say, I, I, I think kids can sometimes be demeaning in the way that we use it here. But these young adults are signing these deals without maybe having the benefit of a lawyer, without having the benefit of a parent who's, you know, ha- has a background in that enough to be helpful in those spots. The rest of it, though, I, I always liken it to, you know, we saw this you know, happen in the NFL where they instituted a rookie wage scale for exactly what you just described. But in the meantime, what I always look at it as, you earn what you get at the beginning through what you've done before. And so if someone wants to, when a freshman gets to campus, pay them a bunch of money on that because they think that that person is going to be great. I love the fact that someone has the chance to cash in because you're right. For some people, it's not going to work out. And their best earning potential is going to be at the beginning during their four and five years. And that to me always underscores, yeah, this is the exact reason why they should be allowed to earn now, because there are a million reasons that are out of players control where you just might not be a fit height, weight, speed wise for the NFL, but you're a baller in college and can get some money now. I have never had an issue with NIL. I think NIL is good. And I also think what you guys are saying, and this is what we see with name any topic that the media covers, we see the 5%, we see the 10%, we see where we, we hear about the people most affected. And there are tons of people, tons of student athletes who are benefiting. Maybe they're getting, you know, 500 bucks a month or something for some social posts and they have some extra spending money. And that's awesome. That's great. The two things that concern me, Gojo, and I want your thoughts on this. We may have dipped our toe into this on, on Twitter recently, um, (laughs) the transfer portal and the fans. And I think it's all connected. Now, one of the main things that concerns me with all of this and having done local radio during this transition, I saw it firsthand. I think college football, and I'm, I'm not trying to be alarmist. I'm not that person, but I do think fans, college football fans and the, the fan base is somewhat in jeopardy. Now, there are some guys and, and maybe some um, older gentlemen, perhaps, that have seen college football go a certain way for a very long time. However, they also buy season tickets and they write the checks and they fund scholarships and they do all of that. Do you have a concern for fans who don't know what a roster is going to look like year to year, who maybe have already purchased their pit season tickets and then they realize, wow, Southern Cal's swooping in here, offering a guy that's not even in the portal multiple millions of dollars. and as a, one human to another, to tell a guy to turn down $4 million, I would never tell someone to do that. So it's, it's a really tough situation. But let's just start here, Gojo. Are you worried about the fans and if college football could lose fans as mainly the transfer portal issues continue? Uh, I, I understand that that is a thing that could happen. I don't know if I would say I'm necessarily worried about it because worried implies that I'd want something different done in this situation. I think it's a possibility and one that we have to understand. And I can understand that coming from a, hey, a thing I love is different now. Mm. And if it rattles and changes that enough, this is a safe space. I've come for this for years. Then you know what? I I can live with that. 
The thing that confuses me some on this is what I've heard before versus what I'm hearing now. Because before we had all this, when we talked about pay for play, a lot of people said, well, college sports, people root for laundry. None of these players are that valuable on their own. None of these players are going to get an earn. If we turn this loose, they'll be begging for the scholarships to come back. Sounds very different now. Sounds a little different all of a sudden when we have seen value has been allowed to creep into this equation and boy, oh boy, were people ready to step up and excited to step up and foot the bill on that. So my thought process always, well, first, I have to decide which is it, who is coming to those points honestly when they say we root for laundry versus who just didn't want to see young players. And like, I mean, a dynamic we can't ignore in college athletics, especially football, young black players getting a lot of money and a lot more money than a lot of the people watching there. And to me, that's the one thing where if we lose some fans who only came to college football because they felt like compared to the pro product, I could look at this and say, yeah, you know what? As well, as much as I have to look and say this player's got an opportunity I've never had, might have wanted, couldn't have got to for one reason or another, I at least can go out here and earn and get money. And that player still doesn't have. It always felt like there was a little part of a section of college football fans that enjoyed that power dynamic a little bit too much. And I've said flatly, if if players getting paid just on its face value is something that drives you away from college football, good. I don't really want you here. Like that, that's just, that's just how I feel. And I understand that doesn't serve me as someone who covers college football, but I, I, I can never get away that. from the, the I mean, schools. The money can't say that. Yeah, no. And, and I totally understand that, but it, it's just, it's how I feel because at the heart of all this, I do believe that these players we've seen people are willing to compensate them for this along with the scholarship. People always said that should be good enough. It appears that both are very, not only possible, yeah. but well, let me ask you this, very Mike. fruitful so far. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, Mac, wait, hold on, hold on, Mac. Hold on, hold on. One more thing, one more thing. The other thing that worries me, and I mean, we're, I'm, I'm up at night thinking about this, but look, I think yeah. we can all agree we love college football. We love this sport, and it has never been perfect. I don't think anyone's pretended it's perfect. There are times where it's been very uncomfortable, where, you know, someone like Cam Newton I mean, he's maybe not the best example because he may have, you know, done some some shady things, but he can't profit off his own jer jersey. That's insane. Like, that does not make sense. So I've, I've always thought that was off. But the other thing that worries me, Gojo, besides the fans, is the lack of competitive balance. And one of the things that makes the NFL the best league in the country, I'm not going to say the world because soccer, but... What makes it the best league in the country and the best product is the competitive balance. The Bengals can go from a three-win team to the Super Bowl. You just never know. And we've already lost so much of that in college football just by the nature of the beast that, you know, I, I don't know who I'm going to pick on here. Vanderbilt fans, they know that their team is not winning a natty to start the season. It's just not happening. And I feel like with this money, especially the Jordan Addison situation, which is a perfect example of the rich getting richer. Pittsburgh recruited that kid and developed him. And of course he put in the work and all these things. Are you worried about the competitive balance as well? Uh, Maybe I'll change the word worry. Do you foresee an issue I, yeah, oh no. with competitive well, I th balance? I think I, I, un I understand the context you're, you're yeah. using worried and it, and it makes sense, but I would also say no, just because I don't think college football has ever really been about competitive balance. Like True. the NFL is is different in so many ways. College, we learned, I think, especially during the pandemic, is so much about atmosphere, is so yeah. much about a lot of the other things that exist around the teams and the sports here. And if you look at the history of college football, 
it's really been about a few dominant teams in every decade, a few teams that because they exist in a natural recruiting hotbed, because they have a coach that's one of the premier that sends guys to the NFL at a high rate, or in a lot of instances, because programs have come into a bunch of money from a donor or a wealthy alumni. Like, that's always been the bedrock of college football is whose alumni got <laughs> yeah. rich at right. a certain time. Like the or, rise of Oregon. Or they were cheating. Early. I mean, or yeah, they what, were breaking the rules. Like we've seen that too. <laughs> yeah, which I would say, which, you know, comes from wealthy Goes alumni money, who are willing yeah. to give in. That, like it, college football has always been about money. That, yeah. That's, you know, I mean, hell, we just heard not too long ago. I forget where the complaint came from. I was listening to uh, The Right Time with Bamani Jones, but someone said, College football's in I think it was in the Ross Dellinger piece where college football's in danger of looking like it was back in the 80s, <laughs> which would imply that we have done this already. Right. Like none of these problems are as new as we want to make them. It's legalized marijuana, it's dispensaries looking like Apple stores <laughs> instead of having to go down in the corner and buy something like that. Like all of this just it, it's it's a different product, it's wrapped in a different way. And right now, as is the case in a lot of places in the world. People who are used to having all the power and control have lost a little bit of that. And you guys know this. Are there bigger control freaks on planet Earth than the people who govern college sports, specifically the people who govern college football? No. So when you add something that they don't yet have figured out to their plate and it allows another group of people that are connected to but slightly outside in some of these collectives to have a pretty potentially influential role in all this, I can understand how it's scary to them. I just don't have to care all that much because, again, as Mike Bray said the other day, we make a lot of money. This stuff yeah. has changed. Figure it out. Shut up and adjust is basically what yeah. he said. <laughs> Honestly, Mac, Gojo's made me feel a little better. It's always comforting, even during COVID, even during all that stuff, when people say we're in unprecedented times. You kind of right. just want to look at, them and look at them and say, read a history book. Like, hasn't everything kind of happened before? It's so kind of like I, me I, saying I'm a the first today, thing twice. We already had a first guest, but now we're having another first guest. History repeats yes. itself. It's oh my circle. gosh, it's cyclical. It's and and I, and I will and I will say in all this, like I, I am, you know, I've had people call me a bit of a college football anarchist. I understand it's easy <laughs> to play with someone else's money like this. I, I do want to make two things clear. One, this is all grounded, and I truly want what's best for the players. I, I think that if there is a market that is willing to give them money in all this, the schools are getting off easy because it doesn't have to come from them right now. So I think at some point yeah. they're going to figure out, right? Hey, this is a pretty cushy gig for us. We don't have to kick the door all the way in on that. But number two, and, and you said it off the top, Emac, there are going to have to be some guidelines put in. We're already seeing the D1 Council talk about transfer windows for this. Yeah. So this isn't a year-long free-for-all in the transfer portal. And I think that'll benefit players to a certain extent, too, having that all structured. And then a more formal relationship, however it wants to go about between schools and these collectives, so that it's not, you know, if it's donors who have already been giving to the school. And in some instances, and in some of these schools you've seen, it's high-level donors who have been associated. People that are reputable, I, I like situations like that where you can at least trust where some of this is coming from so that, again, players aren't right. getting taken advantage of because that is my number one concern in how this is structured right now. No, I 100% agree with you. And that, that kind of got me back. We strayed away, and I was afraid <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get back to it, but you brought me back a little bit. Um the, the, let's talk about the, the market itself because we have seen and heard, I mean, I, I've never seen a contract. I'd love to, I'd, I'd love to yeah. dive yeah. into it. I'm kind of a, a bit of a legal nerd when it comes to that stuff. I'd love to just see one and, and what it all looks like, but 
we've seen and heard a lot of different things where a guy's getting $5 million, a guy's getting 300000 Zay Flowers came out, said three or 600000 whatever it was. Do you think that there will be a market reset, a, a market coming to balance? Like, mm. I'm just kind of thinking three years from now, if I as an individual donor or, or I as a businessman have given $30 million and they've all fell flat, my team is still three and nine. I've got to think that I'm going to stop doing that. Do, do you foresee something like that happen? Do you foresee some balance because it's so new? Throw money at it. Let's do it. We've never been able to do this and there's excitement now. But do you see three, four, five years from now, maybe without if rules stayed the same, do you see a teetering off where maybe this is isn't as crazy? Uh yeah, I think maybe like if we're talking like width as opposed to depth, meaning like the amount of schools that are willing to do this, because I, I've heard a lot of people talk about relative to NIL and they're thinking of it strictly in, hey, business offering player the ability to represent them in exchange for compensation. As we're talking about it now, where it's, hey, a player is selling his NIL rights to a collective in exchange for a large sum of money that's, you know, more or less pay for play. None of this is about return on investment for a business. Like, let's throw that out here. So really what it's about is return on investment for the product of your football team. Mm. And I think you could see some places fall off with that because obviously there are some of these people that think, hey, we're close enough to a national championship that if right. we can do this, we can push ourselves over the top. We can get right. a few more recruits to come here that are going to be the difference between us being a team that flirts of winning our conference and winning a national title. But I, I think at the core of all this, too, we've seen plenty of donors that still give to institutions that have not won titles, that still give happily because they like the perks of being around the program. They like the perks of getting to meet and be around the players. Like, I just mentioned I was at a luncheon in New York with a bunch of people that give money to Notre Dame who had the chance to be around players, who had the chance to be around alumni. Like All of that stuff matters because college football is not a place that's ever really spent rationally. These are people buying with their feelings. We see it in professional sports all the time. I mean, uh, I root for Chelsea in the English Premier League and Robin Abramovich, who was the Russian oligarch who was funding that team. Like, You look at the finances of Chelsea and they were operating in the red almost year after year in perpetuity. Like it's not a place generally where people come to spend rationally. They spend for ego. They spend because they want access. Like it's not a rational marketplace. And so while I think some of it might correct in certain spots, because not everyone's going to want to do that forever without seeing the results they want. I think there are always going to be some people spending ego bucks at the doorsteps of these programs. It's never been rational spending. I think that that's a really good way to put it. That, that's jo- Jordan sure. Cornette calls it emotional buy. That's what he said. Yeah. That's yeah. what college football is. It's emotional buys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that may be a Notre Dame term that um, is coming into our <laughs> podcast. Okay. let's. We've got a few more for you, Gojo. We know you're, you're a very busy guy. We talk mainly ACC football here on this podcast. So I'm going to leave this question vague, a little open-ended, and you go wherever you want with it. Where do you see the ACC right now in the landscape of both college football and collegiate athletics? Um, I, I, right behind the SEC and the Big Ten. Like I, I think we've got a clear stratification in college sports where whether it's based on the payouts from media rights deals to the schools involved 
or, you know, top end success, people going to the draft. You know, Clemson's been carrying the ACC for a while, just to say it, you know, flatly. We've seen the dominance of that program. Emac is rightly allowed to pump his fist. Checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. Appreciate it. Keep going, buddy. No, but it's really been, you know, I always joke with people at ESPN, there is the college football hallway heading down to the cafeteria. And when you look up above the doorway there, it has every year's current national champion. And since I got there covering it, it has been Clemson, Ohio State, SEC team. That's pretty much how it's operated in all of this. And that's been college football as of late. And so I think for the ACC, um, they're in an interesting spot now because we know last year winning only 10 games gasp was a bit of a down year for Clemson where their quarterback wasn't up for the Heisman and everything wasn't perfect. And somehow they managed to still be better than 90% of the teams there. It's... It's interesting, but clearly based on the money and the things that we know govern college football, the power and all of this, the Big Ten and the SEC appear to be operating on a plane that's just different from the rest of college football right now. And as we look at it, we know the Big 12 is getting ready to suffer the loss of the two title programs in its conference. The Pac-12 has been gasping for air and trying to kind of get its foothold back for years, which may happen now that USC looks like it might be the rising tide to lift chips. But I think the ACC is that next conference after those two main things. So where's Notre Dame? Which tier is it in? Yeah, Notre Dame's probably in that tier with the ACC right now. I mean, they've been, you know, on the outside just looking in. Like, I've always said with Notre Dame, uh, I think the frustration with most fans in college football is most fans look at Notre Dame and say, well, you guys think you're Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. I'm like, no, not really. We just think we're better than the other 118 teams in college football and have demonstrated that over the last five years. So they've been one of the, you know, let's call it six or seven best teams in college football over the last five years where they've made two college football playoffs. They've won double digit games each of the last five years, but they have not been able to make that final jump. That is winning a CFP game. That's winning a CFP national title. And so they are just on the outside looking in of that upper crust of Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, you know, the teams that are have been recruiting in that tier and have accomplished on that level. Right. Yeah, man, I, I love that. that that's super uh, – that's right where I think it is, yeah. too. And, and I think, uh, you know, just go ahead and join the freaking conference, say, Mike. if you're in the same tier. we can do tier, it together. We can do it together. Might as well. We can change TV contracts. We can elevate – whatever you want to do. Change anyway, the world. I change the subject. <laughs> Um, last <laughs> question for you, Mike. And, and I think it's uh, it goes right along kind of with Kelly and talking about conferences and the SEC and Big Ten kind of being these uh, the, the, these two suns that are just revolving, a lot of gravitational force. Do you think that we're on the verge, and, and I want you to give me a, uh, a year span here, of a super league. I'm not going to say super conferences because I think it's going to be mini NFL. And, and if you don't, you know, change your mind, tell me something different. But do you think that we are – moving towards that where it's a 32 team invitational and uh people are going to be left out and it's going to be a lot of club sports yeah uh, uh yeah i think we're going to get to that eventually but and i've gone back and forth on the timeline for this i'd probably say we're in like the decade range where it's going to take a while because again even all these athletic directors now that we hear some of them talking more openly and saying hey, we might be able to govern this ourselves better than the NCAA in its current form is doing. They still have never demonstrated an ability to work together in a meaningful way. 
these, you know, heads of these different conferences, whether it was playing football during the pandemic, whether it's been expanding the college football playoff. And so I don't want to give them too much credit in this, but at the same time, we've referenced the English Premier League enough on this. I read the book, The League, about the formation of all that. And the whole time I was reading, I kept thinking, this structurally sounds like two sports. It sounds like professional golf, and it sounds like college football, where you've got this mass of people that are not playing the same sport inside of this. They might look like it on TV, but there's only really a competitive field that's about yay big on this, that's about, you know, let's call it 40 teams deep if we want to even be that generous. And so I think something like that's inevitable just because economics tend to govern this sport so much. But we do all know that the decision makers here don't necessarily play nice together. So I think we get to that at some point, but I think we're still probably, you know, in the 10 year range away from that. Are you also in with relegation and the fact that you can be kicked out and brought up if you suck? <laughs> I think that would be a fascinating twist on it here. Like, I think, I think it's great. Honestly, Let's it's gonna, do it. it It'd be it'd be awesome. I think this is all going to be governed a little bit more on who actually still wants to care about school and <laughs> right. which, which the by the way, puts Notre Dame in a super interesting place in all this as a place that is an institution yeah. of higher learning that very much cares about all that. But yeah, if we're going to do this, relegation would kick ass. Like we've seen how fun it is at the end <laughs> yes. of the Premier League season. We've talked about it forever. Like why not? That's what it should be here. We we know what the stakes are. Let's make it real. I, I need agree, to read man. that book, Gojo. Tell me the name of that book again. Uh, it's called The League, and it is it truly like one of the most instructive books about sports, the economics around them, and everything else that I've ever read. Can't recommend it enough. Adding it to my summer reading. There you go. KG's going to go read a book. Mike, you go get ready for a podcast. I'm going to close this out, man. Thank you so much. This was a ton of fun. Uh, when we have another first to do, I'll call you. <laughs> there we go. I guess say, have you guys done a live show anywhere yet? We haven't done no. a live show. You're in. You're in. There we go. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll be ready to book my plane tickets. Thanks for having me again, guys. Man, well, what a fun episode. We jumped into so much there with Mike. You know, we, we always have this little script and we try to stay on it the best we can. But I feel like for that one, we were all over the place. And he you don't was, need to stay on. Yeah, he was saying such great things. I'm like, wait, we got to go here. And, and you had a great point. And I was like, man, I want to touch on this. But then you had a follow-up point. And we're just all over the place. So really appreciate Gojo. It's been so fun to watch him grow. And I, I expect even more better things to come to that. I'm, I'm sure it will as he is in this venture doing brand new things. But he, he's one of the best, KG. Mm -hmm. No, he is. And he's such a nice guy. Like, he really is. He has basically no ego about him, which is awesome. But the other thing I'll say about Gojo is that guy is so smart. Yeah. I mean, you can tell just debating with him a little bit, talking with him. He is a very intelligent person, but even more so he's able to communicate in such a really good way. And that's why he's, he's gone, he's gotten so far and will continue to, but I thought we had some good spirited debate a little back and forth. I think we may disagree on a few things, but overall he makes valid points in that college football has always at least maybe not at the very beginning right. when like Princeton was dominating the Ivy league or whatever, but has always been about money. And there's always been a certain level of competitive Im um, imbalance. Right. I just hope we don't get to a point where the competitive imbalance just makes the sport suffer even more. I'm not, but I can't say we will get there. 
So I, I liked how he countered my points and he really did make me feel a little better. Yeah. Well, I, you know, what's so interesting about that balance and, and we're talking about the competitive nature as you were asking that I was kind of thinking in my head, well, you know, Oklahoma had a pretty good run there and, and Notre Dame yeah. and Nebraska and all these all these teams. There have been periods of time throughout college football history where you circle a, a four group team, a five group team, and, and they went on these dominating runs. And so mm-hmm. I think what everything is just exacerbated now because of social media and because of access and because everything's right here on the phone and, and we all talk. We all, the, the, the world has gotten so small. And so yeah. I think with that, it's almost like it. everything is is just so magnified to where we think it's this crazy problem. We think it's this crazy thing, but it's happened before. It's always happened. And so I think mm-hmm. when you see that, it is going to be really interesting. Where does the future go? Like, what does this look like? And I think he said this decade or, or a decade, so I'm 10 years. I think 10 years is a great kind of window because I think there's going to be monumental change. I think there is going to be almost another division that's created and it's going to be very small. I think 30 to 40 teams at most. And uh, if we could have some reg- re- uh, relegation, that would be awesome. I'd love relegation to see that. Would be I think it would be so cool, but it- it's going to be super interesting. KG. It is. I just, you know, I, I still have to worry and man, I'm a lot really worried as this podcast has, has indicated, <laughs> but I still am concerned and would like to know, you know, what the future is of the women's sports. So yeah, that's something yeah. That I think maybe we can get into later with a few other summer guests. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Guys, this episode was so much fun. A very new episode uh, for us. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening, for watching uh, YouTube, SiriusXM, Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate you guys. For the two channels that you can, go subscribe to our podcast. (laughs) Go rate it, review, write us something on there. We, We love to hear from you guys. Any comments you might have of things that you might want to see as we go through this summer series. Uh, But we always appreciate you guys. Until next time, we'll see you.